Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. We are on week two of our Live Like a Giver series, and uh, we're talking about finance and, and being successful with money. Last week, we talked about the motive. We know that uh, how we give, the attitude in which we give, often comes out of the heart. When we don't want to do something or we want to do something, we know that it comes out of the heart. Um, so if you missed that, you can go to our, look at our uh, podcast and just look at Harvest Time Church podcast, and you will be able to listen to um, the previous week and catch up if you missed it. Um, but we're going to look at this morning. So last week we looked at the motive. Today we're going to look at the method. Um, so we can know that our motives can be right, but the method in which we give, uh, the, the systematic way that we do things are going to cause the results that we're getting. Now, I don't know where your finances are today. I don't know how your spending habits look like, but I can guarantee you that the result that you're at today in the realm of finances is a byproduct of what you are doing with those finances. If you are a saver, then hopefully you have some savings in the bank. If you are a spender, then you may have nothing in the bank. It just, it, it's directly related to your habits, to your methods, to the way that we do things is directly going to affect the outcome of a uh, what we can do in the realm of finances. So we're going to look at the method a little, we're going to look at it this week, and then next week we're going to look a little bit more specifically at the method, but we're going to kind of mosh posh the, the method with the mission, because once we get our money in order and we start kind of directing our money in the realm of what we want it to do, then we can actually get it to do what we're passionate about, okay? So living like a giver, we're going to focus on managing your money, handling your money well. That's what we're talking about, the method in which we do it. So if money is truly a test from God, then we need to know what the tests look like. How many of you guys in college or in high school ever took a test? And the first test that you had to take was kind of that evaluation test. You had to figure out how is the teacher going to set up the test. Some of the teachers set it up primarily on the book which I found out nowadays they don't even have textbooks, so that's kind of foreign to me. But it would be on the textbook, reading the chapters. The way that they do it now is a little bit different. It's online. It's more digital. But it would be based on the textbook. So if you read the textbook, how many of you know you're going to get a good grade? Then there's other times in college, I noticed this, it's on the lecture. It had nothing to do with the textbook. If you paid attention to the lecture and you took good notes, uh, then you would pass the test. Sometimes it was, a, it was a compilation of both, the lecture and the text, and it was put together. But most of the time, I did very poor on the first test because I was trying to figure out how is the teacher going to grade? How are they going to um, set up the test so that I can be successful? Now, most of the time... I I did very poor on the first test, but let me tell you what, as soon as I took the test and I knew what was on the test, I would adjust quickly. How many of you would adjust quickly? Because how many of you know you can't afford to fail too many tests? Anybody that has a diploma or got a degree knows what I'm talking about. You can't afford to keep failing. So in the realm of finance, we need to know what we're going to be scored on. But the goal is not to keep failing, but to make adjustments when we fail to change what we're doing so we change the outcome. But by taking this test, either pass or fail, it helps us better prepare for the next test. So I don't know how you've done in the test of finances, but I guarantee you that today there's probably a paper trail. 
you don't want to look at that paper trail, or maybe you do want to look at that paper trail, but you have either done fairly well, you've been successful, or you can say, Pastor, I'm not going to raise my hand, but I need some help in the realm of finances. They don't look like what I want. They're not doing what I want. Um, but we have to realize that money is a test, that the motive of the heart in which we give is a test. So, if, it, And we have to realize, do you know that all of us have failed in the realm of finance in one way or another? Every single one of us. This is not something like, oh, I was just born where I, I had this gift of never managing money poorly. Most of us have bought something we should have never bought for, some, for way too much of a price, right? All of us have done that. We've bought something, we've in-cap shopped, or we've impulsed. Anybody ever impulse bought something? They convinced you that it was something you could not live without, and you just had to have it, right? You know, there's times that we just spend money recklessly, but let me tell you what. There's a rule about money. If you have a lot of money and you continually to spend it recklessly, you will become one that maybe not, does not have a lot of money because we need to good, be good stewards of what we're, what we're bringing in and what we have. Um, but the goal is to improve, figure out where we possibly are failing, make adjustments in order to do better next time. So the method in which we handle money bridges us to our destiny. You can say, God, I have things in my heart. I want to do this. I'd love to accomplish this. If you don't learn to manage money well, your dreams may never come to pass. Because money is sometimes that vehicle that God uses and helps you build to get to where you're going. Right? It costs something, but the way we manage money. So if we continue to fail with money, it will impact our future. So we are each required to manage money well uh, in what we've been given. Uh, so would most of us agree that everything that God gives us, he asks us to manage it well? Right. We would say, you know, you know, take care of my house, take care of my kids, take care of my wife. All of these things that I believe that God has given me, that it's my responsibility to, to take care of those things well. So we have to bridge the gap to realize money is exactly the same way. So why does managing our money well really matter? We're going to look at a parable this morning. We're going to let this parable kind of set the framework for what we're going to talk about this morning. But it's going to be in Matthew 25. 14 through 30, and this is the parable of the bags of gold. So there's three different individuals that receive three different amounts. And as we unpack this story, we're going to see the response, the action, the consistent variables, what, what resulted in different outcomes. We're going to look at all of the details um, based on how this story played out. So Matthew 25, 14 through 30, starting in verse 14. So it's talking about the kingdom of God will be like this. Jesus is going through all of these parables, and here's how it starts. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went away on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained, gave, gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you trusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. 
Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold and came and said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown and gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid the gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and grew and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. Verse 29, for whoever has been given more, they will be given, they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And then verse 30, it says, and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, when we look at this passage, there's a lot of dramatic, emotional feeling that we get from this. We see one and then the other and then the last one. And um, all of us, you know, can relate to different parts of this story. But what can we learn from this story I want to look at what were the consistent variables first, because I think some of us would say, well, it's not fair. One got five, one got two, and one got one. But the consistent variable that we see in in the scripture is that God establishes the rules. There are natural laws. There are things at play that cause all things to work together. Genesis 8, 22, it says, as long as the earth endures, so that means as long as planet earth is happening, is spinning on orbit, here's what it says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. In this passage, what it's talking about, there are, there are worldly principles, there are, there are natural laws at play here that are going to happen until Jesus comes back. There's the law of sowing and reaping. When we talk about seed time and harvest, we're planting a seed and nobody plants a seed and says, uh... Hopefully it won't grow. No, we plant a seed and we toil and we work and we prepare it and we do all of those things so that we can what? Reap some type of reward, reap some type of harvest. Like we don't just put it in the ground for no, no purpose. But there's the law of sowing and reaping. So when we look at this parable, one of the biggest things that we have to see is that the master's wealth was entrusted to each servant. And I think this is the number one spot where we miss everything. It was the master's Provision. It was the master's resources that were given to the servants. I think a lot of time we see all of the money that we make as whose? The master's or mine? We see it as ours, right? So when we see it as ours, sometimes that'll, that will kind of lead us to a place of doing what we want rather than what God expects. Now, we want to look at what happened in this story because there was, the, there was two correct responses and then there was one poor response that resulted in poor, a poor outcome. But we see that the master, you know, everything that we have, we need to actually see it as God's because that changes how I spend things. Like, you know, uh, when I'm spending somebody else's money, I'm a lot more careful with that money than when I see it as my own. The money that I'm foolish with, it's my money. Like, let's say I had $100 that was my wife's money. If I go and spend that money on something I want, it's going to be a bad day. (laughs) Right? Because that's not what she wanted me to spend it on. It was her money, and I just bought something that I want. Well, when we do something like that, it can be just as offensive to God. The resources that God has given us to, to sometimes for our own blessing, sometimes for the blessing of others, we don't always know what that, what that wealth and what that, um, 
Generosity from Father God is for, but we have to ask the question, Lord, what is this resources for? Do we see those resources as the master's resources or do I see those as my resources? So when we think we're in control, we have to realize that at the end of the day, God is really in control, right? And I think he, he will reward the faithfulness, but he will also instruct and he will teach as needed. So sowing and reaping, let me, let me talk about that just for another moment. Um, if we plant an apple seed, what are we going to get? An apple. Why would we think if I plant an apple seed, I'm going to get an orange? We have to realize that what we sow is going to be directly proportionate to that which we get. Right? You're never, no, nobody would ever do that. Go plant, a, you know, some carrot seeds and be like, wow, tomatoes sprung up. It's just not, it's not going to happen. So the same rule applies. Lord, why am I not seeing provision? Why am I not seeing blessing? I'm going to challenge you this morning. Are you putting seed in the ground? Because if you're holding seed in your hand, the seed can never multiply as long as it's in your hand. But if you take that seed and you put it in the ground, what happens? It says that that seed can multiply sometimes 30, 60, sometimes 100 fold. Now, I always ask God, Lord, whatever I plant, the law of sowing and reaping is at play. So, Father, help what I plant multiply. Help what I invest to accomplish your purpose. Help it to do way more than I could ever do. But it's a challenging point sometimes because in order to plant that seed, you know what I have to do? I have to let go of that seed. I have to bury it. I have to let it kind of sit there for a little while. But given enough time, it will do what God has built it to do. And we will see the benefit of the law of sowing and reaping. But apples will get apples, oranges will get oranges. Um, if we will see our money as God's and not our own, I think we'll be a little bit more diligent in the way that we spend those resources. Um, you know, I've kind of gotten a whole new perspective. You know, we did missionary work for a little while, and that was hard because, like, we were supported as missionaries. Now, people would give to us and say, you can do whatever you want with those resources, like some of it was just for paying basic bills, eating gas, like basic things. This wasn't for great mission exploits. It was just for living. Do you realize that even as a missionary, I felt guilty for using those things for personal just shelter, food, and, and just basic needs? Do you know why it was so hard for me to, to feel like I could spend those freely? Because I knew that those were investments of other people into my life. And it required even more diligence because I wanted to make sure that everything that was invested in my wife and I was spent really, really well. Now, I'll tell you what, when I went to work in, in the secular world and I started making my own paycheck, that changed. I got the steak and the shrimp and the appetizer and the dessert and I didn't think twice about it. What was the difference? I worked for that money. I felt like I built that money. So therefore, guess what? I can do what I want with my money. The perspective changed to where I saw it as my money, not somebody else's money. So if we see all of our money as God's money, it will keep us in check because then I start thinking about, well, if I do that, now the resource is gone. So I can't do this, right? Because how many of you know, if you spend all your money, here, you have no more money to spend over here. Don't say, I got a credit card, Pastor. That's not the answer we want. We're talking about finances, okay? 
Uh, right? When the money's spent in one area, I don't have those resources for the other. But if I will start seeing my finances as God's finances and I start saying, Lord, what should I do with all of this increase? It will begin to change what I do. All right? Let me keep rolling because I've got a lot of content to unpack. But being a good steward of what we have, we, we see God's provision and multiplication. Um, and do you realize that it pleases God when we multiply the resources in our hands? There is nothing wrong about multiplying, providing increase, uh, being further along financially than you've ever been. That is the point. That is the goal. Now, the motive, like we talked about last week, but the method, what am I going to continually do as that increase happens to make sure that I'm being a good steward of everything that God uh, gives me. Um, but we are each given according. Also, this is one thing in here. They were each given according to their ability. So before you get frustrated, God determines what he gives you because he knows what you can manage. The guy that got five could manage five. The one that got two could manage two. And the one that got one could manage one. Don't be so frustrated on the five that you don't, you're not faithful with the one. Because you're not going to be able to say, well, that guy got five and I got one. You're going to be accountable to whatever God has given you. So it's really personal. It's really up to you to decide what are you going to do with what God has given you. But he gives, you, gives it to you according to your ability. Right? All right, let's keep going. So good stewardship, multiplication, it pleases God. When we have been faithful previously, he continues to reward those with more resources. We see that in that parable. Those who were faithful, he said, great. Now I'm going to give you more. Come and, come and rule and reign with me. It says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. And it doesn't matter where we're at. The, the amount of stewardship that we have now is still very small in God's eyes. We think we may be accumulating something great, but even the place where we're at, God still wants to increase that resource. So don't get comfortable. Don't feel like you've arrived. Just because you have five and you turn it into ten, don't think that once you get to ten, you can stop being faithful and be diligent. Because the same master can show up and he can settle the accounts again and again and again. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So the moment we think it's us or our ability or what we can do or our education or our degree or our experience, we have to understand that even the ability to produce wealth comes from God. Okay? But the master, the, another consistent variable, the master is going to come back and settle his accounts. He's not going to say, oh, I'll just do what you want. I'm never going to show back up. He is going to follow up with what he's given you and see what you've done with what you have. Okay? So let's see. Let's look at the characteristics of the, of the servants for just a little bit, the, the ones that received the bags of gold. So the characteristics of the faithful servants, these were the ones that received the five and the two bags of gold. I'll tell you what. If anybody wants to show up and give me bags of gold, that's a good day for me. Just want to show up, give me five, give me two, give me one. Guess what? It's gold that was given to me. I'll try to, try to figure out what to do with it. But one of the first things that, that we see that they do, what did they do? It says immediately they put his money to work. They got to work, right? You're not going to grow money by being lazy and not doing anything and just being passive, 
I've never seen a wealthy person that is lazy. Right? You may say, well, there's some people that get inheritances and stuff like that. I get tell you what, if they have inherited that money and they remain lazy, they will turn into the place of being broke. Because money takes work. You have to work that money. Um, how many of you have ever worked for an employer and you've tried to please that employer? Especially around promotion time or raise time or whatever, you know, hey, promotion, oh, what else can I do here to serve, boss man, right? You know, we, we have gotten to that place of where we can even work for a worldly employer with a desire to please. So I know within our nature, we have the ability to work diligent, to work hard, to give big portions of our life. How many of you have ever worked at a place for at least five years? Raise your hand. How many of you have worked at a place at least 10 years? 15 years? Okay, I'm going to stop there. That's a lot of life. Think about it. The amount of time, the amount of hours, the amount of diligence that you've given to that employer, to that company, you are giving of your life. And if you've lasted that long, you've probably served well, you've worked hard, you showed up, you went to work, you didn't show up late enough times to get fired. You were diligent in what you did, right? Now, some of you got them jobs and say, well, if I just show up, I ain't even got to do anything right? But most jobs were hired to do what? A job. There's something that needs to be done that we've been asked to do that is our responsibility. And if we can be diligent to a worldly employer, why can we not be diligent to the king of heaven and earth in the realm of our finances, right? We should be. I mean, if we can be faithful to an employer for 15 years, every single day, and let me tell you what, a lot of them time, you don't feel like it and you don't want to, but you're going to do what you need to do. Amen? It's like that with serving the Lord. We, be, we continue to be faithful. We continue to do all that he wants to us. But we got to put that money to work. We got to do whatever it takes. You have to work your money. It will not work itself. Making money always requires work. Uh, you know, making money by interest is pretty cool. But uh, sometimes you have to have enough saved up to see that money make money, Right? And I've never seen $10 make me millions, right? But hundreds of thousands can turn into millions. Interest, the way some of these systems that the world has working for us, right? We want to we work our money in every single way that we can. But both of these faithful servants, they did something with the money they had been given. They both desired to manage well what they had been given. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is Christ, uh, the Lord Christ you are serving. So I hear a lot of people say, well, my boss, you don't understand. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who the boss is. We always work as unto the Lord. And if God has somebody over us, guess what? God is teaching us something with that person over us. You know, I say, well, you don't understand, Pastor. No, I understand. I've been in some of them places, frustrated, irritated, right? But guess what? You often can't change that person. So you know what's the only thing that left to change? Yourself. And often I've seen God use those rough edged people. Guess what? To smooth me out. We're praying for them and you should be praying for yourself, right? So we see these things that, that, um, that we grow. We have to be diligent in all of those things. Um, we have to be faithful, but we're working as to the Lord, not to ourself. 
We see that each of these individuals, they were focused on Christ as the one they were serving. They were rewarded for their good stewardship. Um, we sow seed, but it is God that produces the increase. The potential's in the seed, but the seed has to be planted and then it has to then put to work and it's gonna grow. So we have to believe and trust in God's blessing and provision. You know, a blessing, living a life of blessing is the overflow of the diligent of the methods of money being implemented. If you are foolish with your money, why do we expect to be overly blessed or to feel like we're overly blessed? But if we are faithful and we're diligent in our finances, we can expect an increased blessing and God's provision in every way. We should expect that. If we implement the principles that God says implement, we should expect to live the blessed life. The other side of the coin is if we live foolish and we don't discipline, we don't put our money to work, we are not faithful, we don't work hard, then we get what we get and we don't throw a fit because we've created that which we are earning or the lack thereof. Each of us should be pleased with our financial progress. You should be proud of yourself. If you see financial progress, if you see more money in the bank, you're like, Pastor, I got 20 bucks and I've never had 20 bucks. I will applaud you. Because it doesn't matter the magnitude of it. Are you doing better than you've ever done? Do you have just a little bit more than you've ever had? It, it, it's, it's hard because like it, all of us are at different phases of life. 100 bucks in the bank might be winning for you. Like, I, I have no clue where you're at. But you should, you should be excited about your financial success. It pleases God when you're financially successful and you make good financial moves and you're being financially blessed. So we, got, we need to increase our resources, not increase our debt. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that uh, more next week. All right, let's look at the characteristics of the unfaithful servant just for a minute. So the one bag of gold. Now, this individual assumed God was a hard man or the, the master was a hard man uh, rather than one that, is, that graciously gave of his own wealth. Uh, I think we can do that. We can be very judgmental. Well, Lord, if I just made more money or if I just you know, got a better job, then I'd be faithful and then I'd have what they have because you're looking at the one that got five or the one that got two and you're not being faithful with the one. Now, I believe that this story with the one with the one bag of gold could have went any direction. But as we look at the wordage and we look at the communication and we look at what this parable gives us, the individual truly seemed to have no understanding of the master. Didn't know his heart, didn't have relationship, thought he was cruel, thought he was hard, was going to be judgmental, all of these things. There was a lack of true relationship. Even mentions, I was afraid. And, you know... He takes the gold and he buries it and leaves it alone. Now, I'll tell you what. As I started thinking about it, I said, who in the world does that? Does anybody bury money? Hide it from yourself? There's only one reason I can think you're going to bury money and hide it from yourself is because you can't trust yourself with that money. That's the only reason I'm going to work that hard. I'm going to take it out of the bank. All right, baby. Uh -uh. Just go dig a hole somewhere and cover it up. And don't tell me where it's at because I am so concerned about my financial well-being that I'm going to waste all of the master's money and then he's going to come back and I'm not going to have it. So the safest place to put it is to bury it. Now, if we look at that, there's a whole lot of bigger issues because I could have just left it in the bag and not done anything with it. But I go to the point of I'm burying that thing. I'm hiding it. I'm making sure I don't touch it. 
And then it goes on to say, well, you know that I reap and that I sow. And he said, you could have at least put it in the bank and got interest. But what is the difference? The first two did something with that money. The last one did nothing with that money. So sometimes doing something with the money can help. But sometimes doing nothing with the money can hurt. Right? When we're not faithful, when we haven't done anything with it. I often go back thinking about that the master knew the servant's ability when he gave him the one bag. But there was a lack of relationship. There was a lack of understanding. If you think God is a cruel God and he needs your money, you're mistaken. If you think that he's giving you the bags of gold for his own good, you know why he's giving you the bags of gold? For your own good. Because he wants to increase that which you manage. Because do you realize when we go to heaven, I think we're going to manage all kinds of stuff. And it's going to be based on how faithful we were here. Everything is going to be a direct result. How did you handle here? Because we t- when we look at this parable, we know that this is talking about finances. But it says, the kingdom of heaven is like. For a little bit of time, you will manage what God has given you here on this earth. And then you're going to breathe your breath, last breath. And you are going to give an account for what you did or didn't do. Pastor, why are we talking about finances? Why can't we just be talking about living and, and, and marriage and kids and important? Guess what? Finances are one of these things that can make or break your life. It can be a blessing. Tell you what, on the flip side, it sure can be a burden. Right? But we're going to give an account for everything that we did. When we have relationship with God, we know that he's good and he's trustworthy. I think I would want to please God with what I have and say, hey, you know, man, how much, you know, he would, he would have been okay with interest at the bank. That's probably not even doubling (laughs) the amount of gold, but it at least shows effort of increase because increase blesses God. That shows diligence. Anybody that's worked hard or diligent, how many of you ever worked a whole lot of overtime? Did you work that so you don't have anything to show at the end of it? No, we work hard or we work extra or we put in uh, more time so that we have more results to show for what we're doing. The diligence always pays off, okay? All right, so the, so the master's response, this, this is where it gets a little humbling and it gets a little hard. We see for the first two, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with this. I'm going to give you more. But look at the response for the, for the one that was unfaithful. You wicked and lazy servant. I don't want to hear those words. Wicked and lazy. Well, I'm just tired, pastor. You don't understand. I understand. We're all on the same earth. We all go through. It's not like you get a different 24 hours than I get. Right? We all have time to manage. We all have money to manage. We all have problems. We all have to work through those problems. We have to figure out how to solve those problems. But it's all about what is my response day after day. You know, faithful finance is just about diligence, doing the same thing over and over and over. It's repetition. It's discipline. It's doing things on purpose. Every single day, we either move forward, we move nowhere, or we move back. Every single day, we're all given the same amount of 24 hours. But there was one, that w- there was two that were labeled good and faithful. There was other ones, wicked and lazy. It says you could have at least put it on deposit. Doing nothing. 
has consequences also. There's one part of that parable that really caught my attention when he reprimanded the one with one bag of gold. Do you know what happened to even that one bag? It got taken from the one that had one and said, give it to the one with 10. What in the world, God, are you doing? What he's saying is those who are faithful will get their blessing and sometimes somebody else's blessing. He didn't work for that. It just showed up. But God is going to reward diligence. He's going to reward faithfulness. Right? It's up to you. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen people running a track meet or running laps, different things like that. Have you ever seen those that just keep the course and they just keep their, their eyes fixed on the race before them? They run really well. They run fast. They, they, they stay focused on their, their race. Have you ever seen the young ones, how they run and they're like this? They're looking to their left and their right. They're running. You know how much that slows them down? When you are worrying about somebody else's race and all God has told you to do is keep the course and keep your race straight. You're going to run. But I'll tell you what, the ones that keep their eyes fixed never trip. They never slow down. As soon as the gun goes off and they start running, they get to the finish line. Some of us are looking left. They're looking right. Well, Lord, how am I doing? He doesn't want you to look to your left or to your right. He has given each of you what he can entrust you with. And he's asking you, saying, have you been diligent? Are you being faithful? What are you doing with what you have? Is there a reason that God should increase the seed of your storehouse? Uh-oh. Don't ask me that, Pastor. But maybe you're at that place where you have been diligent and you should be trusting God to give to you. Now we look at that parable. That last individual had no relationship with God, had no understanding of his heart, of his character. At the very end, he says, be away from me, you lazy, wicked servant. And he says, throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, that's at the end. That's when he's come back and he's judged what we've done, what we haven't done. And this is so much deeper than just money. But money is a good indicator of what we're doing with what we have. Um, we have to have a relationship with the master or it doesn't make a lot of sense. Let, let me cover real quick, and we're going to start this today, and we're going to un- unravel it next week, but weekend. But three methods that matter the most. When we talk about methods, what are the methods that we need to do to be successful in finance? Um, these are the three areas that we have to be the most intentional and methodical with. You're giving, you're saving, and you're spending. That's it. You're giving, you're saving, and you're spending. How many of you know we all got that you're spending down? Man, I got an A plus on that. I spend 100%. That's right. You didn't allocate any for saving and you didn't allocate any for, for, uh, for giving. So we want to look at how do we manage our giving? How do we manage our savings? And then, and then how do we spend the rest? So one of the, one of the rules that I love, because how many of you know math matters? carry the one minus the whatever, like math matters. You might not like it, but if you get enough subtractions from your account and not any additions to your, I mean, basic math, 
Math matters. So when we're talking about finances, we need to have method to the madness. We need to make sure that there's method to how we're managing our money. So here's my strong suggestion to you that we learn to give 10%. We'll talk a little bit about, you know, God's standard in the Bible, why that's a good, good, good uh, point to start at. Um, I recommend you save 10%. Well, what you talking about, Pastor? I can't even make it. We need to get to pl- the place where we save 10%, and then we ask God what to do with the rest, right? And we want to do it in that order. We want to give, we want to save, and then we want to spend. We want to make, make it a priority in that order, in giving, in saving, and spending, So why do we start with giving, Pastor? Is it because I'm a pastor and I'm a church and I'm trying to rally all these finances? No. Let me tell you what. Giving is the secret sauce of finance that allows God's provision and blessing on your finances. You can do everything else. You can try to be diligent you know, um, in your spending. You can pr- try to be diligent in your savings. I, I am 100% convinced that in the realm of giving, when we give God first, it allows us to trust God with the rest. A lot of us, what we do, we keep drawing out of the barrel, drawing out of the barrel. We got our paycheck going, going, going. We get to the bottom and we shake the barrel and say, well, Lord, if there's some left, I'll give you what's left. But that's not faith. Faith is saying, Lord, I'm going to give you that first 10. I'm going to give off the top and I'm going to believe you to provide increase for the rest. It's what multiplies the seed of our resources. So we have to make sure that we're giving. Savings, why does savings matter, Pastor? Savings is the tool that helps us generate um, wealth, but it also helps you to stay out of unexpected debt. When an emergency happens, you got one of two options because you got to do whatever you got to do, right? If you have savings, you know what you do? You pay cash. If you don't have cash, guess what you do? You put it on a credit card, you take out loan, that, that creates debt. Well, when you have increased debt, you know what it really, really hurts? The spending category. Because you have less to work with because you're, you're paying out debt or you're paying out interest, you're paying out all of these things. And now all of a sudden this pie got really, really small. So saving 10% protects you. It's the safety net from accruing major debt. Um, statistics are pretty crazy as far as how often major things happen. It's every few years that somebody, something's going to happen that's going to be a major expense, which makes me support we always save. Well, everything's good right now, Pastor. That's when you save. You don't want to save when you're drowning and you're in the water. You want to be saving while you're in the boat and all of the holes in the boat are plugged and you can begin to generate some type of savings so that you can have that, what I like to call a rainy day fund. Might not have rained in a while, but guess what? The rain will come and you will need that saving. savings. I've never had anybody say, oh man, I sure am bummed out that I saved. <laughs> now, we've seen the other side. I wish I would have saved or planned ahead. Well, I can tell you it is inevitable that there's going to come a point where you need that savings. So we need to give, we need to save. But then this is a place I want to spend some time on next week. We need to ask God what in the world to do with the rest. We need to manage it like these, these uh, servants and say, Lord, I'm going to put my money to work. How am I to uh, designate it? What am I to do with it? So let's look at these two passages really quick uh, in closing. Proverbs 11, 24 through 25. This is in the New King James Version. It says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. Think about that just for a minute. That makes absolutely no natural sense, but that makes absolute kingdom sense. 
There's one who gives and scatters, yet more increases. But there's one that withholds. They hold on to it, and they lead to poverty. That does not make sense in the natural world. This is God's kingdom world. This is the spiritual side of, of managing finance. Verse 25, the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, these principles work because God set them up this way. Now, I don't know if you've ever read that passage, you've ever thought about that passage, but I love testing God at his word because there's one who scatters, yet increases more, but there's one that withholds more than is right, but is led to poverty. So I would rather spread more than looks like common sense and believe God for increase rather than hold it. That could lead me to poverty. But that promise is that a generous soul be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. So here's what I want to leave you with as, as we get out of here this morning. Realize that God's principles work because God set them up that way. And it don't make sense, Pastor. I know it doesn't make sense. What do you mean? But the giving can multiply our, our, our seed and cause it to multiply. And we're going to talk about a little bit about the devourer devouring our, our, our seed. And that makes no sense, Pastor. They're biblical principles. That's what God said. He says, I will cause these things. I will cause this blessing. I will remove the devourer. You will scatter seed and there'll be increased. But those that hold and, you know, I've given you five bags. I've given you two bags or I've given you one bag. And, and now I give it to you with an expectation of saying, what are you going to do with that? Can you guys stand up with me? What are you going to do with what God has already given you? Now, I believe that we can quickly, quickly recover come to our senses and say, Lord, woe is me. I'm sorry. I wasn't diligent and I wasn't faithful in my methods. Show me how to be faithful. Show me how to manage my money well. We've all been given treasure that we've been trusted with. Can, can I challenge you with something this week? What I want you to do is I, I want you to begin to see things the way God sees things. Um, now, I know it's Thanksgiving, which we should be finding things to be thankful for. But can I get you to every single time this week that you get to pay for something that you tell God thank you? What you mean? I'm talking about that Route 44 cherry vanilla Coke? <laughs> I'm talking about the what, whatever it is. The simple things that you would already see the blessing of God in your life. And we would be mindful with hearts of gratitude. And you're going to begin even this week to see so many things that you can say, thank you, Lord. Man, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. If you're not a spender and you don't spend no money, everything you get to put on this next week you got a warm coat you got shoes and socks to put on it's almost Christmas time maybe you need new underwear but maybe your underwear is still holding on right but you can be thankful for the simple things that we wouldn't take these things for granted that we'd see God has already lavished so much blessing on us but I have to be thankful for what I already have because I think that that is a part of stewardship Lord, I thank you for my, my, my five bags of gold. Lord, I thank you for my two bags. 
Lord, I thank you for my one bag of gold. Let me be diligent and faithful with that in the methods in which I spend it and use it and multiply it. So can you commit to do that this week? Everything. I'm talking, fine. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Now, if you're struggling and you don't see the blessing of God in your life, I want you to take it a step further. I want you to write down everything. You'll get tired after two pages. And you'll realize God's blessing has been really, really good in your life. Uh, if I can invite the prayer team up, if they're available. So this morning, I'm just going to pray over you that God would just continue to just uh, work in, in the realm of finances. But maybe you're at that place. You say, Pastor, man, man, I've been completely foolish with my one bag, two bags or five bags. And I just want somebody to agree with me in prayer that, man, my, my finances just get back on track. I, I don't. I don't know what your finances look like unless you've told me or you've showed me or you've asked me something. I I have no clue. But I know God knows where you're at. And if you just want somebody to agree with you this morning or if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, you're not going to see this giving thing as making any kind of sense. Because perhaps you see God as this cruel, hard master. You're afraid. You've maybe hidden that money, which it makes absolutely no sense because that ain't no good to nobody. But this morning that you just desire to, to come into a relationship with the Lord, prayer team can lead you in that. Let me pray for you. We'll get out of here and then we'll, we'll come back next week and we'll look at the methods and the mission a little bit closer. Lord, I thank you for each one under the sound of my voice. I pray you bless them today. Father, I pray that today that you'd release a blessing, uh, not because we've earned it or we deserve it, but because that's the kind of God you are. Father, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, Father, that they'd come to a place of knowing you today. Father, if there is a fearful uh, feeling of finance, God, I pray that they would just be stirred in their spirit to be confident that what you have entrusted to each of them, Father, you've also given them the diligence to be faithful with it. Father, I pray that you would multiply the seed in your people's hands, that you'd give them wisdom and direction how to multiply, how to be good stewards of everything you've given them. As we go from this place and as we all gather around our tables this this week, Lord, that we would be thankful for all the many blessings in our life. Father, I thank you for what you're doing, seen and unseen. We can't do it without you. And Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing, seen and unseen in our lives. Bless us as we go. Let your spirit go with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.